Before I begin, let me start by providing some backstory to the area. My name is Devin, and I've lived in Arizona for a total of only about two years. And in that time, I've found myself enamored by the myths and legends surrounding the area. Arizona is no stranger to the mysterious, and I often found myself passing the nights away reading stories of Navajo skinwalkers, the Muggian monster, El Chupacabra, and even some accounts of La Llorona. Me and my group of buddies loved Arizona, and often found ourselves taking week-long camping trips off to Snowflake, Payson, or Heber. Throughout all those trips, we had never seen or experienced anything too out of the ordinary. The only notable occurrence we had ever encountered were some strange noises that could be heard at night around the campsites, but that was usually chalked up to nerves from being so far away from the city or a prank pulled by one of the other guys. We would regularly gather around the fire and tell stories of the various cryptids and legends around the area, looking to creep each other out as we had a drink in order to add a sense of excitement to our usual trips. We had never expected to witness any strange events ourselves. This trip, the outing where it all happened, started just like the rest. Just four months ago, one September morning, our little ragtag group of six, Luke, Bobby, John, Derek, Jack, and myself, worked to gather the necessary supplies for our next adventure. Luke and Bobby were in charge of general supplies, gathering tents, flashlights, and the like. They grabbed three two-person tents, a few lanterns to set around the area, some handheld flashlights, and some extra supplies that we would need to start a fire and cook food. They also loaded the truck bed with some extra wood pallets to break down for the fire. John was on food duty and arranged a plethora of canned and freeze-dried food, water bottles, and the most important camping staple, supplies for s'mores. We had put Derek and Jack on a beer run and packed up a few cases of Coors, a pack of Corona, some seltzers, and even a small Dos Equis keg that one of them had grabbed because it looked cool. While everyone else was gathering supplies, I made arrangements and obtained any permits we might need. This time, we were heading to the Santan Mountain Regional Park, which stood only 8 miles away from where we lived, which was a small trip compared to our usual outings. The area was just south of the town Queen Creek, where most of us lived, and a ways east from the Indian Reservation. The park was a very popular camping spot, and was usually booked out most of the year. It was pretty difficult to get an official reservation. Instead of going the traditional route, we decided it would be best to delve further into the territory, 
This meant going past the set-up campgrounds. It also meant we wouldn't have to deal with other campers and that we could party throughout the night without disturbing anybody else. That afternoon, we loaded up our truck with supplies and set off. Each of us carried a rifle as a precautionary measure. Though we didn't expect to use them, it had become a standard practice to be prepared for the worst, so the rifles often sat nearby in the truck or remained bagged up inside the tents. After a short drive, we ventured deep into the park until we discovered a suitable camping spot. The entire area was covered in brush, cacti, and rocky cliffs. Quite a departure from our usual forested camping grounds. We selected a location with small rock formations and some clearance from the dense brush. Upon stepping out of our trucks, it was evident that this spot had seen previous use with a fire ring made of rocks and abandoned camping gear scattered around. Trash and empty beer bottles were strewn about and a flattened tent caught my attention. Closer inspection revealed that the tent was shredded and bore large claw-like marks. We found this odd but dismissed it as the work of a wild animal or perhaps eccentric campers engaging in a prank. Who would just leave all of this out here? I wondered out loud, bewildered by the previous camper's lack of consideration. Some people, Derek replied with a shrug, shaking his head. We gathered some bags from the truck and tidied up the site before setting up our tents, a process that took about an hour. As the sun began to set, we started assembling a fire. That night passed uneventfully, featuring a simple dinner of canned stews and a few beers before retiring to our tents. Our three tents were divided between John and Derek, Luke and Jack, and finally, Bobby and me. Fatigued from our earlier preparations, we soon drifted into slumber. In the early morning, around 3 a.m., I abruptly woke up, drenched in a cold sweat. Sitting up in my sleeping bag, I looked over to Bobby, who was still asleep beside me. Still groggy, I detected faint footsteps outside my tent, barely audible over Bobby's snores. While I usually attributed such sounds to someone getting up to relieve themselves, these footsteps felt different, unsettling. They lacked the rhythm and pattern of normal human footsteps, Instead, they resembled the uncertain gait of a large creature or someone learning to walk for the first time. The accompanying smell was overpowering, akin to rotting meat and mildew, like the scent of damp clothes left neglected for days. The stench was so pungent that it made my eyes water 
and I felt a few involuntary gags. I hastily unzipped my tent and stumbled outside, vomiting a few feet away. As I retched, I couldn't shake the sensation of being watched from behind. Panicking, I spun around, fumbled for my small, battery-powered flashlight in my pocket, and illuminated the direction where I felt the presence. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I swept the light left and right, scanning the open clearing and the nearby cliffs. Just as suddenly as it arrived, the repugnant stench that had enveloped the campsite dissipated. I switched off my flashlight, perched on a large rock beside my tent, and tried to calm my nerves, focusing on slowing my breathing. After what felt like 30 minutes, my anxiety had somewhat faded. I crawled back into my tent, attempting to resume sleep. The following morning, I shared my eerie experience with the group, only to be met with laughter. It's unusual to see you so spooked, Devin, Jack jested. If you get scared at night, Devin, you can always crawl into my tent and cuddle. <laughs> Derek teased, wearing a grin. Very funny, I retorted. Are you sure you didn't just overindulge last night? Bobby, my tent mate, inquired as he emerged from the tent, stretching and yawning. I pondered the possibility. Could the smell and the feeling have been mere alcohol-induced hallucinations? Uh, it all felt so vivid, and I couldn't dismiss that stench. Even hours later, I still felt a queasy sensation in my stomach, not to mention those peculiar footsteps. I don't know, I finally replied, attempting to move past it. The day passed without incident, and I pushed the previous night's event from my mind, determined to enjoy our outing. That evening, we congregated around the campfire once more, sipping beers and sharing spooky stories as usual. Sometime during John's narrative, Derek rose to leave. Where are you off to? I called out. I just gotta take a piss, he called back as he faded into the darkness of the night. John continued telling his story. And about five minutes into it, we heard the yelling and running footsteps of Derek as he basically tumbled into one of the tents. We leapt to our feet and quickly asked him what was wrong, running over to where he had fallen. He pointed a finger back to where he had just come from and began to babble nonsense. And that's when I noticed he was shaking uncontrollably. Luke knelt down next to him and placed a hand on his shoulder. Calm down, buddy. Tell me what you saw. He said soothingly, trying to get him to calm down. There's something out there, 
Derek cried. It looked like some kind of person or something, but it was fucked up and it smelled so bad. We proceeded to look at each other. Derek was usually the most level-headed out of all of us, widely considered as the mother of the group, and he rarely ever drank or got drunk. So we took it seriously when he told us what he saw. But we had not entirely pieced it together yet. What could it be? Luke said to the group. I'm not sure, maybe some kind of wild animal? John said back. I think we should pull out the guns, just to be safe, I said. Good idea, Luke agreed. We honestly should have realized then that it was time to leave, but we were stubborn. We thought we were invincible, that nothing could happen to us, that anything strange could be explained rationally. Sure, we like to tell stories of mysterious creatures and occurrences, but those were all just that. Stories. Right? We pulled out our hunting rifles and sat back around the fire once again, trying to stay calm in light of what just happened. That's when we started to hear the sounds. It sounded like screaming all around us. It sounded like it was coming from a single source, but it was coming from multiple directions and places, like whatever was making the noise was traveling around us impossibly fast. John pointed out that it sounded like Derek's scream. I realized that he was right. It sounded exactly like how Derek had yelled earlier when he ran back to camp. Like his scream had been recorded and was being played over a speaker over and over again. It sounded artificial, like an animal was trying to mimic a human scream. That's when I noticed the smell. The ungodly stench had returned, and this time, everyone else could smell it. We were all standing up at this point, backs pointed towards the fire, aiming our rifles into the darkness, trying our best to cover our noses and block out that mind-numbing stench. Then, suddenly, the sounds just stopped, and the smell subsided. We had a hard time falling asleep that night. Yet, despite what we had just experienced, we weren't quite ready to leave yet. To this day, I'll never know why we didn't just leave. Later in the night, I was once again awoken suddenly, only to realize that the smell had returned. At this point, I was done. I was tired of being afraid of whatever was out here in the wilderness, just outside my home. I grabbed my rifle that was sitting next to my sleeping bag, quietly unzipped the tent, and poked my head outside to see what was there. What I saw will haunt me 
for the rest of my life. Standing upright, just past the dying embers of the campfire, hunched over one of the tents, was an abomination of which I had no name for. It was tall, at least seven feet tall, and was covered head to toe in sickly, pale skin that seemed to almost reflect in the moonlight. In different spots, its body seemed to be almost rotting, with different patches of flesh hanging loosely off its body and limbs. As I took a closer look at it, I noticed its gangly arms held down by its sides were different lengths. One arm was longer than the other, and not just slightly, but by a few inches. Its arms were skinny and bony, and seemed impossibly long. The joints turned in all the wrong areas. At the ends of its hands, it looked to be long, finger-like claws. I wasn't able to get a good look at its face yet, as it was turned away from me, standing over one of the tents across from me. I felt this rising sense of indescribable dread as I watched it. I thought of all the possibilities in my head, thinking back to the torn up tent that we had noticed when we first arrived. I imagined that at any moment this creature could rip through the tent and my friends with its claws before they could even react. With a burst of adrenaline, I opened my tent the rest of the way, slowly, quietly stepped outside and aimed my rifle at the head of this creature. Just before I was about to shoot this thing, I heard Bobby's fearful yell behind me. What the fuck is that? He yelled. The creature in front of me whipped its head around at an impossible speed. That's when I saw its face for the first time. It had deep, hollow sockets where its eyes were, and its eyes glowed a menacing yellow. Its mouth stood agape with a fear-inducing set of jagged, sharp teeth, and it let out a mind-numbing screech that sounded like a mix of a high-pitched screech and low growl. I tried to shoot it, but I either missed or the bullet did no damage as it pounced on top of me, knocking me down and digging its claws into the side of my torso. I screamed in pain, feeling the creature's claws digging into my flesh, looking into the eyes of this thing on top of me. Smelling its rancid breath almost caused me to pass out. At this point, everyone else had woken up, and the other five men jumped out of their tents in a flurry, aiming their rifles at this thing and unloaded into it, trying their best not to hit me in the process. The barrage of gunfire must have at least injured it because it recoiled in some kind of pain 
and got off of me, releasing me from its clawed death grip and stumbled a few yards away. In that moment, Derek and Luke grabbed me as John, Jack, and Bobby reloaded and continued to fire in the direction it stumbled off into. I winced with pain as Derek and Luke lifted me up. That dreadful screech filled our ears once again as we booked it to the trucks. We piled in quickly, leaving behind all of our tents and supplies and began to speed away. This thing must have been chasing us, because that scream seemed to follow us. How is it this fast? We're going like 80 miles an hour, said Bobby in the driver's seat as he pressed the pedal down to the floor, trying his best to maneuver the pitch black landscape to get back onto the trail. I... I don't know. Derek was stammering as he began to put pressure on the deep wounds on my side, and I groaned in pain in response. The road was bumpy, and it felt like we were being pushed and pulled in different directions as we drove. The sound of the creature's shrieks and creaking metal filled our ears. Eventually, we couldn't hear the sounds of the creature anymore. But we never once slowed down, speeding past the checkpoint to enter the park and speeding through the lit town streets. I must have passed out along the way because the next thing I remember is waking up two days later in a hospital bed. Apparently, after I was deemed stable, my friends went to the police and the park rangers, telling them what we had experienced. They left out some of the more unbelievable details, but recounted details of the creature, the sound it made, and the smell. The authorities seemed skeptical at first, but were more inclined to believe that something was out there after seeing the state I was in and seeing the damage done to our trucks. What I had not yet seen or noticed was that the trucks were covered in large, deep claw marks on the side, and the back bumper was completely torn off. That's when I truly realized that we had all just barely escaped with our lives. What was that thing? How could it be fast enough to chase a high-speed truck? How could it have enough strength to rip through a metal frame like it was made out of paper? Why didn't bullets seem to hurt it? I was filled with so many questions that I did not particularly want the answers to. When I was finally released from the hospital and reunited with my friends, we never spoke about the events that happened on that trip. I don't even know why I'm typing this out. Maybe just to get it off my chest so I can finally move on. But... I must warn everyone listening to this. Be careful when camping deep in the Santan Mountains. <laughs>